Jesus, the demonstration of God. Amen? We're going to get into the scriptures here in just a minute. If you have your Bible, go ahead and get that ready in a notebook. If you don't have one, we have free Bibles and notebooks available to you around the sanctuary today. I want to thank you for being a part of service. If you're watching online, would everyone welcome everyone watching online today? We always want to make them feel remembered that we believe you are a part of this service. You're not just watching like the television show. You are part of the worship today. And thank you to all of our volunteers that made last week such a successful week uh, with the county fair as well as Big Sunday. So give yourselves one more big hand for volunteering, all your giving. You made that possible. Uh, I'd like to let you know that you gave in the offering just about enough to cover the entire county fair in our offerings. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, amen. Amen. So you can genuinely celebrate that you made that happen. It didn't just come out of, you know, magically somewhere. You made that outreach happen. And so that's so important that you see the value of your giving connected immediately to the manifestation of that. Uh, Before I get into the scripture today, uh, I wanted to speak just briefly about this last week with elections and then this next coming week. Um, I know in this sanctuary and watching online in Orlando, there are all kinds of thoughts, all kinds of emotions, all kinds of things going on. I even felt it when I was walking in today. There's, there's some that are very excited and some that are very scared. And then there's, others, there's this other um, part where people are confused. And so this morning, I just wanted to take a minute and ask all of us to take a deep breath. Ready? Take a deep breath and breathe out. I believe that God had on purpose months in advance. We've been working on this series for months. And that he wanted to make sure that we, the body of Christ, were celebrating and lifting up one name. And it's the name of Jesus. Amen? Kingdoms come, kingdoms go. Leaders come, leaders go. But the hope of the world is still Jesus. It will always be Jesus. Amen? It will always be Jesus. But I also think it's important that we know what to do right now in this moment. What are we as the church supposed to do right now in this moment? Now, I'm not completely convinced that everything is settled. I believe this week's going to be a very, um, a very important week. I think that there's things that are still being talked about and there's some things that are still being looked into. And, and I believe all of us, whether you're Democrat, whether you're Republican, whether you're independent, whether you don't know what you are, you're like, I know I'm a human being. That's about all I know. You don't know what you are. I think all of us as believers, we're on the side of truth. And so if there's, yeah, you can celebrate that, right? And as believers, we should always celebrate and support truth. And I think the other thing we know to do that we have parameters to pray in scripture, what are we supposed to be doing right now? Is we continue to pray the prayer Jesus gave us. And the key phrase that I wanna talk about for a second is, Father, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. And I believe both sides of the aisle or whether you're way out there with no aisles at all, I believe all of us can pray that prayer today because it doesn't matter what we think we know, if we surrender what we know to God and we say, God, your will supersedes mine. And if I know that I've been diligent to pray your will, then whatever happens from this day forward, I will walk in peace And I will walk in confidence. Amen. And so as people explore truth and find things, and we never have to be afraid of truth. And so we pray again, both sides, all sides, 
All we want is truth. And at the end of the day, if we feel like we've received truth, then God, we're gonna go with, we're gonna go with that. And so that's what I wanna pray. If you'll join me today for one more prayer for our nation, one more prayer for this time. Let's all agree together. Why don't we go and stand? Because these aren't little things. And my biggest concern is that we allow anger and hostility to take over our nation. And we've been placed in this nation for such a time as this. And we still preach a gospel of peace, my friends. And so even if we don't like certain things or we disagree with certain things, the anger of man does not bring around the righteousness of God. Amen? Amen? And so we still are preachers of the gospel of peace and and we still walk in love no matter what. We walk in love and we obey God. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, one more time we come together. You've directed this house. I believe Calvary Orlando is a significant voice in Orlando. But God, we agree with the churches around our country and for our nation. And I, I believe you, you set us on a path to lift up the name of Jesus months ago for, per, for a purpose. And we're going to lift high the name of Jesus. And we're going to live for the name of Jesus. And we're going to follow Jesus Christ. And God, we're going to bring a lot of people to your saving knowledge and grace by the power of the Holy Spirit through us. But Lord, we pray for our nation right now. And all of us can agree together on this one prayer. God, all we want is your will to be done. You see things we don't see. You know things we don't know. And God, we are just agreeing together that your will be done on this earth in this moment as you foresaw it, as you have decreed it in heaven. And Lord, we are on the side of truth. So Lord, if there has been any uh, deception or if there has been any um, hindrance of truth, then Lord, we just ask you, you bring things to light. That's what you do. When the spirit of truth comes in, when the spirit of truth comes in, and so we never have to be afraid of a spirit of truth. And so that's all we're asking. As this kind of week unfolds and things are discussed and talked about, we ask your will be done. But, but God, we pray for safety and peace. God, one of the things that America has always valued way back with George Washington was this peaceful transition of power, this peaceful election process. And God, we don't want to lose that in this generation. We don't want to lose, we can have strong thoughts, strong opinions, strong desires, strong beliefs, but God, we don't want to give up walking in love for it. We don't want to give up treating people right and, 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 and showing human respect and decency to one another and where people can feel safe walking the streets of this nation and, and to believe what they believe and to, to, to do what they do. Dear God, that there's just this, this, this peace. There's just a, whatever happens, God, you, you just, you, you invade this space and that God, you just keep this nation from going down a path of destruction and wrath. And so, God, we come against those provoking spirits, those, those lying spirits that create rage and hostility and, and make us act in a way that is ungodly, and make us act in a way that we would hurt our brother or our sister or men, women, children, and that we would do anything like that, God. Lord, we pray for your will to be done on this earth as it is in heaven. We pray for truth and we ask for peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you, can you agree with that? Is that all right? Is that okay? So agree with that. Go ahead and have a seat. 
So today, we're discussing Jesus, the demonstration of God. And Jesus demonstrated a lot of things. Jesus demonstrated God's power. I love it. I love he demonstrated God's power over death and God's power over the devil. You saw Jesus take on thousands of demons with this story in the New Testament of him coming and ministering to a demoniac man that the Bible says was filled with a legion of demons. I think one demon is a lot. Anybody? And it didn't ruffle Jesus' feathers whether this guy had one demon or he had thousands of demons. He just told the demons to go. Isn't that awesome? Our God is powerful. Shows his power by walking on water. Showed his power by speaking to a fig tree. Showed his power. But today, the demonstration of God that I wanted to bring to your attention, to bring us back to, is the demonstration. Jesus is the demonstration of God's love for you. Jesus is the demonstration of God's love for you. I believe we really wrestle with that sometimes. We receive his love for us when we feel like we're behaving ourselves and we feel like we're qualified and we feel like we're doing pretty good. And there are days that, come on, I mean, it's been like a whole 24 hours since you sinned and you're feeling really good about yourself. But then there's days where we make mistakes and then we have certain levels of sin and we're like, this was a really bad sin and this, was, this one's not so bad, maybe I can squeak by with this. But the truth is all sin separates us from God. And so today is this exclamation point that I believe God wants to put on your life. When we have questions, does God love me? There's an exclamation point and it's right here. This is the exclamation point and God is saying, I love you, exclamation point. <laughs> he answered like with a shout, <laughs> amen? Where God, do you love me after I've sinned? There's an exclamation point. Yes. It's the cross. God, do you love me after I, sh I, I knew better and I still walk the other way? What's the answer to that question? Yes, I love you. The exclamation point. This is the demonstration of God's love for us. Romans chapter 5. Are you ready? Romans chapter 5. Open your Bibles to the book of Romans. Let's get into the scripture this morning, Romans chapter 5, I'm going to look at verse 6. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. If you're new to your Bibles, and I always want to encourage people that are new, go ahead and try opening it anyways. Don't let it intimidate you. Uh, and don't just try to remember it by listening. That's why we want you to write it down. God will speak to you today if you give him opportunity to speak to you. And you'll have things to write down. And, and when you go back and look at it, you're going to go, wow, that was really great. Because God is speaking to you during these services. And he's going to use his scripture. But if you don't know where Romans is, go to the table of contents in your Bible. That's right in the beginning. Find the book of Romans. Every book of the Bible is broken down into chapters. One, two, three, four. And so you just follow along just like that. This is Romans chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 6. Have you found it in your Bibles? When we were utterly helpless, Christ came just at the right time. And he died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his great love. Your Bible may say God demonstrated his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Can we say amen there? 
Not after we've cleaned ourselves up, not after we qualify, not after we did some great work for God to be impressed with us. While we were still sinners, while we were still angry with God, while we were still raging against Him, while we were still thinking we were God, remember those days. While you had that arrogance that you thought you didn't need God, while you were still a sinner, while we were still sinners, God demonstrated His love for us. He demonstrated his love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Don't you love that we've been made right? Been made right by the blood of Jesus? Been made right by that work of Christ? See, you don't make yourself right That's why when you go wrong and that's why when you stumble and fall, you didn't earn your salvation in the first place. You didn't make yourself right in the first place. Salvation, which is being saved, which means being made right with God, is a work of God that he offers to you. Is a work of God that he offers to you. Being made right with God in his sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God or your Bible may say that he's reconciled us. Isn't that powerful? When can you rejoice? Now we can rejoice. Now we can rejoice that we've been reconciled to God, that we have friendship with God. I'm here to remind us today, to remind you today, that God has already answered the question of whether or not he loves you. You know, you might be going through a tough time in your life. You might be going through a time where you feel abandoned or you feel alone. And where's God? Have you ever had those moments in your life? Is God listening? Is God Does God still love me? He's already answered that question. That's what I'm trying to bring you back to today. I don't know what you're walking through today, but today was about God has already demonstrated his love for you. He's already expressed, I love you. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And so you may make mistakes. You may go wrong sometimes. You may get into the flesh sometimes. You may live in a way that is unworthy and and, and full of all kind of judgment and all this stuff, but God's love has already been sent to you. God's love has already been decreed and declared to you. And so if you ever wonder whether or not God loves you, even when you're going through difficult and troubling times, God still loves you. Amen. And the presence of problems doesn't mean the absence of God or his love. He's already demonstrated his love for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 Verse 7, when it talks about love, it says love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful and endures through every circumstances. You know, that's, we always use that as a love chapter. I read it a lot in weddings. Love is patient, love is kind, you know, all these things. But let's remember that God's love is the picture of all these things. God doesn't ask us to love people in a way that he's not loving us. He doesn't challenge us to love higher than he loves us. 
So God's love for you endures all things. It's, it's never growing cold. It's, it's never getting bored with you. He's always hoping the best of you. Even after you've just sinned and made mistakes, you realize that God's not sitting there condemning you. He's sitting there saying, I still believe in what I can do in your life. I still believe I can make something special and powerful out of your life right now after the failure. Amen. I love that God answered all of our questions before we even accepted him. That he made that first move. He came towards you. He came towards me. Knowing everything about you, God still says, I demonstrate my love for you. Amen. He never gives up. He never loses faith. He's always hopeful. He endures through every circumstance. Open your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 8, if you would, please. The book of Romans chapter 8. The word demonstration, by the way, if you want to write these things down in your, in your notes, to demonstrate means to show clearly, to prove or make clear by evidence, to illustrate or explain. Isn't that powerful? God demonstrated his love for us right there on that cross. He showed clearly how much he loved us. He proved his love for us. He gave us clear evidence. You know, how many times do we want evidence to know? People use the word love all the time. I love you. And I'm with you. I'm committed to you. Statistically speaking, there's been many of you in this room that have had a first marriage. And that first marriage didn't, didn't last. And people said, oh, I love you and I'm committed to you. But God, it's not just words. I'm going to show you something in just a minute that I pray really lights a fire in your spirit. But I really want you to see this today, that the demonstration of God's love when he sent Jesus and he died on that cross, that was God demonstrating his love for you. He's already proved his love for you. He's given you physical evidence of his love. It's not just words. God isn't just saying something nice. That's what I'm trying to help us see this morning. Listen, my friend, we hear things in a, in a, on a coffee mug or on a bumper sticker that God loves you and it's so common. We don't understand the depth of it. Do you realize this is the God of the universe that is not only saying something nice, he lived it. He demonstrated his love for you by coming in the flesh and taking your place and dying on that cross for you. And for me, before we could qualify, it was a demonstration of his love for us. And too many times we still want to demonstrate our love for God in order to earn his love for us. But he loved you first. That's the way this thing works. He made the first move. Amen. Which gives you security that, that when you mess up, that he's not removing that love. It doesn't shock him. He knows that's why he came, because you were going to mess up. And you were always going to need a savior. And you would always wonder, God, are you, are you for me or are you against me? And this cross says, I am for you. I am not against you. If I was against you, I wouldn't have come. If I was against you, I would have let you go to hell. But I won't without trying. Amen. Do you see the idea of demonstrated, I've proved, I've given you clear evidence. What I love about God is he's unchanging and he's constant. Just let me say it like this. this is, I hope this is not too early to get this deep with you. I hope that you had at least two cups of coffee to receive what I'm about to say. 
and I hope one of them was espresso. Listen, God's love is not just consistent, his love is constant. It's one thing that his love is consistent, which means it's always there, but constant means it's always a certain level. Constant means he doesn't love you one day at level one, another day at level two. Constant means I always love you fully, fully. The same intensity that sent me to that cross, the same intensity, I love you the same way I was loving you on the cross the moment you sin today. So you could say, oh, he, he loves me, he's consistent. He, he, God always loves me, but maybe there's certain days he doesn't like me as much. Or maybe there's certain days where his love for me is like waning. God is not only consistent, he is constant. He loves 100% whether you have a good day or a bad day, whether you're behaving yourself or not, whether you earn it or not, because he, he gave you, he, he chose to love you a certain way, and that was with his everything. He holds nothing back from you. Do you see that? That's what I'm, I'm, I'm going to get there. Help me get there, Holy Spirit. <laughs> but this... He demonstrated his love for us and he demonstrated the extent of that love by coming in the flesh, sending his son, coming in the flesh and dying for us. Like, who does that? That's what this is saying. Like, who would die for a, for a good person? And yet we weren't even good. And God sent his son See, that's an expression. That's the demonstration of his love. That's, we miss that. We, we, we read right over it. It's a demonstration of not just that he does love us, but to what extent he loves us. Are you seeing this? The lengths he will go through to pay for your sin and to make sure you have access to him to make sure you have access to eternal life. God is for you. And if God be for me, it doesn't matter who's against me. But God is for you. God is for you. And that's where that 1 Corinthians, just giving that definition of what love looks like from God's perspective, I never give up. I never lose faith. I'm always hopeful, and I will endure through every circumstance. He is leading in love. Romans chapter 8. Now it's time for me to get into Romans chapter 8. I got excited about the other stuff. Romans 8.31. Are you with me? What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? We're going to get back into this, but I want us to see this. It's like since he gave us this demonstration, since he, he's already loved us like this, he's already given us the, the treasure of heaven, he's already given us Christ, how much more will he give us everything else? Think about that. God's already given you the best of all heaven. 
to think that there's a need or there's a, there's a wisdom or there's an anointing you might need that God, would you be willing to? Yes, the answer is yes. I already gave you Jesus. Everything else after Jesus is easy. Are you seeing this? I've already given you Jesus. I've already shown you that I'm for you. If I wouldn't withhold Jesus, why would I withhold any good and perfect gift from you? Why would I withhold any good and perfect gift? And by the way, you didn't qualify for Jesus. And so all these other good and perfect gifts, I've qualified you in Jesus to make sure you can receive it. Somebody get excited about this. Come on now. That's why it says, what such wonderful things as these, or we should rejoice now. And and sometimes we don't even understand. Look, it's like we golf clap God about these things. Oh, that's beautiful, Lord. Praise the Lord. He gave you the treasure of heaven already. If I've already given you Jesus, what would I withhold from you? I already gave you the best. The universe has to offer. I've already shown you how much I love you. I've already shown you what lengths I'm willing to go. These are wonderful things. That's where our celebration comes from. That's why we gather. That's why nothing keeps us from the house of the Lord. Because we've come to worship him because we have something to worship him about. It's not tradition or or condemnation. You better come to church. You're going to be in trouble. No, I'm going to get to church because of the wonderful things that God has done for me. And when I testify and I preach to others and I tell others about Jesus, it's not burden or tradition or responsibility. It's because I'm just, I'm a witness. Can I get a witness? I am here to testify of the wonderful things that he has done for me. Sometimes we boiled it down to scripts and things like that, and I get those things, but don't lose what witnessing is first and foremost, and that is you are a witness. You have seen something. Tell them what you've seen and tell them what you've heard, that I didn't earn it and I didn't qualify for it, but God made the first move and God sent his love towards me. He demonstrated his love for me, a sinner, and he gave me the treasure of heaven. How much more will he freely give us everything else he has promised us? Amen. Since he did not spare even his own son, but he gave him for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who, my friend, if you're feeling condemned today, man, who dare accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. So when the devil tries to come to you and say, you don't deserve to stand there in his presence. You don't deserve. You can actually say, you're absolutely right. But God put me here. But God gave me right standing. It was an act of his will. It was an act of his power. And I just said yes. I stand in this place seated with him in heavenly places, the Bible says. Do you understand that's a position of authority? Authority over the devil? You didn't, you didn't, win, you didn't win position over the devil. He gave it to you. How is it that yesterday you were living for the devil, you give your life to Jesus, and today the devil is under your foot? You didn't earn that. It was given to you. Amen. And so when the devil tries to accuse you, who dare accuse you? And I love that language, who dare? (laughs) 
we got to get back into that again, right? How dare you accuse the child of God? They can sit there and say, but you don't deserve it. And you're like, I know, right? I know I didn't deserve it. You're not surprising me. I was there when I was bad. I was there when I did it. You're not surprising me by saying you don't deserve it. I'm saying I know. But God, but God, amen. He demonstrated his love, his love. The gospel's about his love for you. We always want to talk about our love for him, but the gospel is his love for you. And in response, we are so in love with him. Amen. No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. Can you underline in your Bible all the for us's that are in there? He died for us. He was raised to life for us. He is seated in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anyone separate us from Christ's love? Why don't you answer that? Can anyone separate you from Christ's love? Yeah, you're starting to get it. Does it mean, hear me, this is huge. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble? No. How do I know that? Because he's already demonstrated his love for me. So the presence of trouble doesn't mean he doesn't love me. Amen? Amen. Does it mean he no longer loves me because we have trouble or calamity? Does it mean he no longer loves me if we are persecuted? No. God, do you, do you not like me anymore? Because I had problems this week. God, have you removed your love for me because some calamity has happened or because some people have been against me? See, God's already demonstrated his love. And just because those things are happening doesn't mean he doesn't love you. Because it says, doesn't mean he no longer loves you if you're hungry or destitute or even in danger or threatened with death. As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, verse 37. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. So persecution, there's times of hunger, there's times of, of, of trouble and calamity. Does any of this mean that God doesn't love me? No. And not only that, because he loves me, there will be an overwhelming victory. See, because you can't get to an overwhelming victory without there being some sort of calamity or trouble to see victory. Come on now. In this world, you'll have trouble, Jesus said, but don't lose heart. Be at peace because I've overcome this world. The presence of trouble, the presence of calamity, the presence of persecution, even the presence of lack or need on occasion. It says hunger, certain things, certain moments. There were times where the Apostle Paul was hungry because of the persecution. He was preaching the gospel and he was hungry because of certain persecution, but God loved him through it and God provided him and made it up to him and God took care of him. So even the presence of some hunger or some pain or discomfort at times doesn't mean you're doing something wrong and it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. Amen. 
And there will be an overwhelming, I love that phrase, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. We need to learn how to have the victory even before we see the victory in the natural. Because our victory is because of Christ Jesus. Our victory is because we are united with God. Our victory is because we're in an unseen kingdom that will continue and continues to flow through this earth no matter what we see happening around us. We have the victory. That's why we can sing. Apostle Paul sung while he was in prison because even though he was physically in the prison, he still had the victory. Are you understanding what I'm saying? You might be walking through a crisis, walking through a sickness, walking through something. The victory is yours. You already have the victory, the overwhelming victory. Amen. And so we begin to worship from that place. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, angel nor demon, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Isn't this an appropriate verse for today? Neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Nothing will be able to separate us. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Which also, in my, this is my belief, shows me that these things that are trying to separate you from his love are not from God. Can I say that for a second? I was going to say it anyway, but I figured I'd ask to be polite. Listen. Trouble, calamity, hunger, persecution, uh, worries about today, worries about tomorrow, um, angels, demons, whatever. It says none of these things. Nothing will ever be able to separate you from the love of God. Notice, notice it doesn't say these things are coming from God. These things are trying to separate you from the love of God. So they're not, they can't come from God because they're trying to pull you away from God. They're trying to pull you away from believing God. And notice that this is in a chapter anchored in the love of God. Because isn't that the first question? It goes back to what I was saying in the very beginning. When you go through trouble, you wonder... God, do you still love me? See, that's where we started this message. Do you remember that? It was like 30 minutes ago. I'm going through trouble. God, do you still love me? And I said an exclamation point right here. Yes. Look at this verse. It's saying that people are wondering through hunger and persecution and calamity and worries about today. It's it says none of these things can separate you from the love of God. Why is it saying that? Because God knows that that's the question that the devil's trying to sow into your heart. Because here's the deal. If you are fully convinced that God loves you and he will never leave you or forsake you, you can walk through anything. And you know that you have overwhelming victory. You know that you are more than a conqueror because you know God is with you. And if God be for me, goes back to that verse, if God be for me, who could be against me? And so what the devil's trying to do is he's trying to put you in a position where you don't know whether or not God's for you anymore because you sinned or you blew it or because something's going on. And God is sitting there pointing back to the cross. I've already demonstrated my love for you. I'm so grateful. 
And here's the thing. We have this like habit when bad things happen to fall into this like rejection spirit. Bad things are happening. God must not love me. God has left me. God has forsaken me. There's trouble. But with this verse, God help us see this. With this verse, what it's trying to do is it's trying to break a, a, a habit off of you. Listen, that's, a, that's learned behavior. Every time something goes wrong, you question whether or not God loves you. That's learned behavior. Every time you go through the valley of the shadow of death, you wonder, did God leave me? Did God forsake me? Every time you have financial trouble, did God leave? Every time someone persecutes you, did God leave? Every time I have a problem, God must have forsaken me. That is not how to win the battle. That is not how you fight. You're agreeing with the question the devil is trying to put in your head. What this verse is trying to help you to do is answer that question one and for all, and then when bad things happen, you lean into God's love. And you say, oh yeah, I may have a need right now, but because God loves me, because he will never leave me or forsake me, because he's not withdrawing his love from me, this too shall pass. He will move that mountain. There may be a mountain before me, but God is within me. He made a promise to me. Come on. I, a doctor's report, it comes in, and you don't wonder, did God leave me? You sit there and say, God loves me. He's sticking close to me. He is sticking closer than a brother. Come on now. And you begin to learn how to lean into that love and to confess that love and to declare that love rather than let trouble make you question that love. As if you're going through something and God, God left you. God's given you evidence. He's not like man that he should lie. He's not like the other people that said they loved you and walked out on you. Listen to me. God knew everything about you. God knew every sin and every dark place. And he made a statement towards you saying, I love you. I love you. He knew what he was getting into in relationships. We don't always know what we're getting into, but God knew fully what he was getting into. And he still said yes. He still said yes. Amen. Listen to this. The cross is not the limit of God's willingness and ability, but rather the demonstration of the lengths he will go for you. Look it. When Jesus came and died on the cross for us, some people use this language, well, he already died on the cross for you, what else do you want? As if like the cross and that action of love is like the, the limit. Do you see what I'm saying? This is not the limit. This is a declaration of the lengths that that love, that God's love demonstrates. If he loved us this much, it's, de it, it's not the limit. It's the extent, it's, it's, it's the demonstration of the extent. He will not quit on you. He will not leave you or forsake you. He will go through the every length necessary 
to do what he said he was going to do in your life. Look at the extent that God will go to demonstrate his love for you. Can you just let that sink in for a second? God, if you'll do that, everything else is small compared to that. But still, that's not even the limit. That's the, ex the demonstration of what he would do, what he will do, has done. Now, I have a warning. Can I end with a, a warning? Here's the warning. God's love alone cannot save you. His love demonstrates his willingness and creates access, but he does not choose for you. I think this is important because there's a belief in the world out there that, that they, I don't want to say it to be contentious, but I think people use a phrase wrong and they just say love wins. And I know there's whole campaigns on it. And maybe there's some good versions of that. I don't know. I, I'm not well-versed on all that. But some of the things I've heard it interpreted as, because Jesus died on the cross and God loves you, you can live however you want and love wins. That is not the gospel. Sometimes we like to make God in our own image. And those are called idols. Okay? His love towards you has been demonstrated. His love towards you has been clear. The extent and the length and the height and the depth and the breadth. But you still have to accept Jesus and make him the Lord and Savior of your life. The truth is I believe God has loved every single person that was lost and went to hell. The Bible says it's God's will that none should perish but that all should come to repentance. See, it's like you with your children. You can love your children, but that doesn't keep them from making right choices. They have to still choose some things. And you can love them and send your love towards them even though they're still choosing to live their own way. And so I want to be clear, as much as God loves us and he's sending his love to us and he's taking that heavy lifting for us, there is still a decision. There is still a surrendering in a receiving of that love. Can you see that? Open your Bibles one final time to the book of Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. We say this almost every week when we close. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, there's a moment where you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's not just this, well, Jesus died on the cross for the world and everything goes and it doesn't matter and just live however you want. You still have to accept that love. And that love is in the person of Jesus Christ, the man of the God in flesh. You openly declare that Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of your life. He's the ruler of your life. You surrender your life to him. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you were made right with God. 
That's why it's not just this blank check to the world. Do whatever you want. There's, there's still this moment of acceptance. There's still this moment of believing and receiving and confessing in your heart. Believe in your heart. That you are, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So today, as we've talked about God's love demonstrated in Christ and we've bragged on that love and we see the extent of that love and that it never leaves you and you learn how to lean into that love rather than letting the devil put a question mark there, does God love me? You answer it with a statement, God loves me and because he loves me, I'm gonna get through this. It's there, it's, he's present, it's being offered, but you still have to receive it. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.